Amen. That's uh, the evidence of that is just as we found uh, in camp that many uh, saints were there and some who had not yet surrendered to Christ. And it's wonderful to hear that five uh, new souls have uh, entered into a relationship with Christ and Solomon is one of them. We praise God for that blessing. It's such a, a amazing gift when we come together and know that one of one of um, uh, those who have been outside of Christ have come to Christ, and this morning we get to worship our God and say thank you, you know, for giving yet another day uh, for someone else to come to Him. Uh, in a moment, uh, Brother James is going to mention uh, to you an announcement about a survey that we have. You should have received an email. If you've not, please pick one up on the table uh, out on the, the foyer. Uh, also, let us know you haven't received one, so we'll know that you, for whatever reason, are not on that list. Uh, we need to kind of recharge, church. So we need to kind of go into a different, maybe the same direction, but be reminded of the things that this congregation does on a, on a day-to-day basis and figure out, find out where you are and where you want to be, and also to give us your comments. We would have Appreciate those as well. So please fill your surveys out and get them back to us um, ASAP. Because you know what happens, right? When you have an opportunity to speak up and you have an opportunity to volunteer, it removes your opportunity to complain about not being used, right? So now it's on you. So please fill those out and get those back to us. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for salvation. Today's another day that you've given to us, Lord God. Another opportunity to come to you to say thank you. Another opportunity to worship you. Lord God, we pray that our worship will and thus far has been pleasing and acceptable in your sight and in accordance to your will and your way. We ask, Lord God, that you will direct our minds, keep us straight, uh, safe and keep us strong. Keep us from worldly thought. Help us to focus only on you. And thinking about that great and amazing sacrifice that Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, made in our behalf. Help us to be ever grateful, Lord God, and remind ourselves of your greatness and all the things you've done for us. These things we ask and pray and thank you for. In that wonderful name of Jesus Christ, if it be thy will. Amen. We're going to the book of Jonah. But we're looking this morning, we're thinking about Jesus at the book of Nahum. The book of Nahum was written uh, somewhere a little over a hundred years after the book of Jonah. And it, it deals with the same people, Nineveh, the Assyrians, Nineveh, the capital city. When you go back to Genesis 10, you find that Nineveh was, was built or Assyria was built by Nimrod. So as Assyria uh, grew in power and might and they became an economic uh, stronghold, God sends them the prophet Jonah because they started drifting from what they knew to be right under that law of morality. And Jonah was to go there to preach Jesus, to preach God to them, to help them to change, to conform, and to come back to what's right. So we're around 785 B.C. or so. In Jonah chapter 3, Jonah goes to preach. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city of three days' walk. And then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk. 
And he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And so there's an indicator to let us know kind of where they were. So from a morality, a perspective of morality, and we think about morals, they were off. They had grown in power, they had grown in might, they had grown in economic uh, uh, stability, and they were walking away from God. And sometimes that happens to us as well. The more that we grow in a, uh, a more of a peaceful way, if you will, um, we kind of sometimes, as a people, begin to walk away from God. That's what happened in Nineveh, right? Assyria, that capital city. But they all repented, didn't they? Verse 6 shows God's amazing mercy and compassion. When the word of the Lord reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat on the ashes. And he issued a proclamation, and it said, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water. Both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth and let men call on God earnestly that each man may turn from his wicked way and from the violence which is in his hand. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we shall not perish. When God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. And so we go, wow, God is full of mercy and full of grace. Here, here's a nation that has begun to fall, if you will, to walk away from morality, from what they knew was the right things to do. And when God's message came to them, they repented and God forgave them. What an amazing God we serve. But then the book kind of drops us off, right? Chapter 4 and and verse 8, Jonah's having an issue with their forgiveness. In verse 8, it came about when the sun came up that God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all of his soul to die, saying, death is better to me than life. And then God said to Jonah, do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have a good reason to be angry even to death. Then the Lord said, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. And should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and left hand as well as many animals? And that may be speaking of the 120,000 persons, speaking of children. But regardless, the adults in this city turned. They, they changed. They repented from the, the highest to the highest to the lowliest of the lowest. But then what happened in Assyria? You know, it just kind of drops us there. You know, what, what, what happens next? The book of Nahum, then, if you will, would be the sequel to Jonah. Because somewhere around 630 B.C., Nahum gives us information about this city. So the city repented. We're going to the book of Nahum. The city repented. Assyria changed their ways. They turned from their wickedness. But then time happened. (laughs) 
over a hundred years of time, new generations grew up. And they not only went back to being wicked, you might even say they exceeded their past. They grew deeper and deeper into evil. Assyria has chosen to ignore God. And we all know that's never a good idea. Let's listen, just for a moment. Chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Woe to the bloody city, completely full of lies and pillage. Her prey never departs. The noise of the whip, the noise of the rattling of the wheel, galloping horses and bounding chariots, horsemen charging, swords flashing, spears gleaming, many slain, a mass of corpse. Massive corpses. And countless dead bodies. How many, God? They stumble over the dead bodies. All because of the many harlotries of the harlot, the charming one, the mistress of sorceries who sells nations by her harlotries and families by her sorceries. Behold, I am against you, declares the Lord of hosts. And I will lift up your skirts over your face and show to the nations your nakedness and to the kingdoms your disgrace. I will throw filth on you and make you vile and set you up as a spectacle. And it will come about that all who see you will shrink from you and say, Nineveh is devastated. Who will grieve for her? Where will I seek comforters for you? It's a bad place. Chapter 1, please, in verse 14. The Lord has issued a, compa- a command concerning you. Your name will no longer be perpetuated. I will cut off idol and image from the house of your gods. I will prepare your grave, for you are contemptible. Wait, is this the same city, the same capital, the same nation of Syria? Have they turned that far away from God? Yeah, yes, yes they did. And who were they fighting against? Nahum, just for a moment, reminds them, beginning at verse 1 of chapter 1, the oracle of Nineveh, the book of the visions of Nahum, the Elkoshite, a jealous and avenging God is the Lord. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on His adversaries and He reserves wrath for His enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and the Lord will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. In whirlwind and storm is His way and clouds are the dust beneath His feet. You see, God wants the message to come to them to understand that God will not leave you unpunished. God will not allow the the righteous or His great divine plan to be disrupted because of such a wicked and ruthless nation. Verse 4, He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. He dries up all the rivers of Bashan and Carmel, wither the blossoms of Lebanon, wither mountains, quake because 
of him, and the hills dissolve. Indeed, the earth is upheaved by his presence, the world and all the inhabitants in it. Who can stand before the, his indignation? Who can endure the burning of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire, and the rocks are broken up by him. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who take refuge in him. But with an overflowing flood, he will make a complete end of its sight and will pursue his enemies into darkness. Whatever you devise against the Lord, he will make a complete end of it. Distress will not rise up twice. And Assyria said the first time, we're going to repent. We're sorry. We've got to turn our lives around to God. But this time, Assyria says, bring it on, in essence. Bring it on, God. We're Assyria the mighty. So the book of Nahum begins, if you will, to, to bring to us this message of preservation, where God is preserving Judah, because God needs to bring that, that line to truth, and that is to bringing forth Jesus. Because what Assyria did was, Assyria said, all right, we're going to now focus our sight on Judah. We're going to go down there and conquer. They already had the northern kingdom, 722 B.C. They already conquered the northern kingdom. They are no more. And now Assyria is thinking about, you know, Judah is another Jerusalem. Nice catch. But God has to not only save his people. God has to save the world. From Adam to the last man that lives on the earth. And save the world from Assyria. That brutal, wicked, terroristic, and evil nation. Around 612 B.C. The Babylonian Empire. God raises them up. And they wipe Assyria off the face of the earth. It's exactly what Nahum prophesied. They listened to Jonah about a hundred and so years ago. But they refused to listen to Nahum. They would not repent. And because of that, Assyria was no more. Is no more. Chapter 2 in verse 13. Listen to what the Bible says. Behold, I'm against you, declares the Lord of hosts. I will burn up her chariots in smoke. A sword will devour your young lions. I will cut off your prey from the land, and no longer will the voice of your messengers be heard. Well, that's okay, God. We, we still want to fight. Really? Nahum 1 and verse 15. Behold, on the mountains, the feet of him who brings good news who announces peace, celebrate your feast, O Judah, pay your vows, for never again will the wicked one pass through you. He is cut off completely. What? Turn to Zephaniah, chapter 2. They wouldn't repent. They didn't learn the lessons of their fathers. Zephaniah 2, in verse... 13, the same prophetic utterance or message 
comes and it says, And he, speaking of God, will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria. He will make Nineveh a desolation, parts like the wilderness. And the flocks will lie down in her midst. All beasts which range in herds, both the pelican and the hedgehog, will lodge in the tops of her pillars. Birds will sing in the window. Desolation will be on the threshold. For he has laid bare the cedar work. This is the exultant city which dwells securely, who says in her heart, I am, and there is no one besides me, how she has become a desolation, a resting place for beasts. Everyone who passes by her will hiss and wave his hand in contempt. Back to Nahum chapter chapter 1. So here's what the book of Nahum does for us. It encourages the Christian who looks back on history to go out into the world and preach Jesus. Because you see that God not only set in order the plan of salvation, the scheme of redemption, but God made sure it was done. And when a nation rose up and tried to stop God's work, that nation was destroyed for our sake. And for the sake of the whole world, for all of humanity, beginning from Adam to the last man that will live on the face of the earth. We see what happens when when mankind disregards the message of God and refuses to listen and refuses to obey. God will not acquit the wicked. Nahum 1 verse 3. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. And the Lord will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. In whirlwind and storm is His way. And clouds are the dust beneath His feet. There is an urgency, church, to go and declare the message of Jesus to a lost and dying world. Because He's coming back. And when He does, He will not acquit the wicked. Verse 6 says, Who can stand before His indignation? Who can endure the burning of His anger? His wrath is poured out like fire, and the rocks are broken up by Him. The wrath of God. Can you imagine standing before God in His wrath? Perhaps we have friends or family members, neighbors, who don't know that. It encourages us to go out and preach the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Well, you say, preacher, turn to Romans, please. Chapter 11. You say, preacher, that's, that's all in the Old Testament. And, and so that's the way God dealt. And I agree with you. God dealt with, with uh, Assyria. And yes, but God's message doesn't change. Romans eleven twenty two, The Bible encourages us and says, But then the kindness, behold the kindness. Behold the kindness. Behold the kindness. We got that, Lord. No, there's another side. Behold the kindness and severity of God. To those who fail severity, but to those of you, God's kindness, if you continue in His 
kindness. Otherwise you also will be cut off. Behold the kindness and, and the severity of God. Back to Jonah for just, just a moment. You know, evangelism is amazing. You, you, um, you just never know um, who is going to respond to the message of God. And you just never know, right? We don't, you don't pick and choose whom you're going to talk to. You just, you just pray to God, open up doors, and when God opens the doors, you step through them. I mean, who would have ever thought that Nineveh, that the capital city that represents Assyria, that Assyria, that horrible nation, if you go back and do some research on Assyria, you will see and understand how ruthless they were and that they became. Who would have ever thought that Assyria would, would repent and stop and, and, and change and, and turn from their wickedness? Who would have ever thought Jonah... Jonah said, you know, the problem is that yeah, they might, but I hope they don't. But if they do, I know you're going to forgive them and I don't want them forgiven. They are terrible people. But that was Jonah. We should want to rescue people from the wrath of God. God shows us his amazing mercy over one soul that repents. Here's a whole nation that repents. God shows us the beautiful blessing behind someone that decides to come to Him, to surrender to Him. Whether it be surrendering in baptism or surrendering in repentance as a member of the body, God shows His amazing faithfulness and willingness to forgive even a people such as the Assyrians. And in Jonah chapter 4, it, it greatly displeased Jonah. And Jonah became angry. Why? What, what greatly does... Because they repented. Because God saved them. Because God was willing to forgive them. And Jonah expresses to us his prayer. He says, and he prayed, verse 2, to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that thou art, listen, a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. God, I knew if they repented, you would forgive them. Danny talked about simplicity. It's just as simple as that. If you're a member of the body and you and you have things in your life that, that you need to turn around and come back to the Lord, all you've got to do is repent. God will forgive you. And if you're outside of the body of Christ and you've not been baptized into Christ and you're ready, all you have to do is repent. Surrender your life to Him. Be baptized, immersed in water for the remission of your sins. And God will forgive you. And as someone said to me one time many years ago, they said, you know, there's some sins in my life that God couldn't, couldn't forgive Himself. That's not true. I've done some things that you just don't know about, preacher. I don't care to know. All you got to do is repent. It can't be that simple. Brethren, it is just that simple. Well, what about, what about Assyria? What, what about someone who's, what about this? What, what about me? Jonah said, I knew that these wicked people repented. I just knew. 
I knew you'd forgive them. And I didn't want it to happen. Turn to Nahum, please. And I'll begin to let you go. Nahum chapter 1. Through the message of Nahum, we are reminded of the redemptive power of Jesus. In verse 15, Behold on the mountains the feet of Him who brings good news, who announces peace. Celebrate your feast, O Judah. Pay your vows, for never again will the wicked one pass through you. He is cut off completely. The good news of redemptive peace. The enemy for them was defeated. God gave this wicked nation about 20 years. Nahum preached. Nahum brought the oracle. And he gave them time to repent. And they refused. And God destroyed them because they refused. While the wicked for them perished, and they themselves found peace. For those who repent, God will extend to us His mercy and His grace. And that closes us out with Jesus. John chapter 1. You just can't get around Jesus. Because now my question is, Father, Where does this mercy and this grace come from? And the Father says, Jesus. John chapter 1, beginning at verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of Him and cried out, saying, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth was realized through Jesus Christ. That's where we get that grace. This morning, God's grace is extended to you and to me because He's given us another day and another opportunity. If you have a need and we can help in any way, please come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation.